E-A-B-L-E-S. Ebels. Remember that name because if you suffer from chronic joint and muscle pain like me, then Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil is your answer to your prayers. The Ebels story began with the search for something natural to help manage chronic migraines. But Ebels helps more than just migraines. From managing chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, Ebels is truly a game changer in the natural alternatives to big pharma drugs. And yours truly, Brian Nichols, here on The Brian Nichols Show, can indeed vouch for the quality of Ebels. Having a herniated disc in my back, coupled with years of sports injuries, I was struggling to find something, anything to help manage my pain. That is until Ebels. With the best quality product and customer service in the industry, Ebels Broad Spectrum CBD Oil and Ebels Freeze Gel easily stand above all the competition. And right now, Ebels is offering a special discount to all members of the Brian Nichols Show audience on all orders. All you have to do is head to Ebels.com and use promo code TB. NS, the Brian Nichols Show, right? TBNS at checkout. That's it. Discount applied. Again, the code is TBNS at checkout to start managing your pain today with the highest quality CBD on the market. One more time, that is code TBNS at checkout. And now, on to the show. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, good mythical morning. Is that copyrighted? I hope I'll get in trouble. Good morning. Hey, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Welcome to, yes, another phenomenal conversation. And we are going to be having a conversation with an up-and-coming voice in politics, Olivia Rondo. Now, Olivia is uh, well-known over on social media and uh, on YouTube for uh, her hot political takes, uh, but also, I think, uh, more so because she's been able to articulate... uh, Sometimes was a tough to uh, articulate uh, idea and envision that is one of a limited government to an era of of folks out there, and I'd say more the Gen Z who aren't as open to the ideas of liberty. So she's been having some success, and I wanted to have Olivia on the show to dig into that success, learn more, and then hopefully be able to take some of what we're learning and apply it to how we can reach more people and hopefully spread the ideas of liberty far and wide. So with that being said, on to the show, Olivia Rondo here on the Brian Nichols Show. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Olivia, thank you for joining the Brian Nichols Show. And I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think you're approaching politics through a lens that often we're not discussing uh, here on the Brian Nichols Show. Um, and I, I think the conservatarian approach is is one that I, I find definitely a merit in. Um, I've had some folks on the show who are more in the GOP camp. And I mean, I, I guess I, I am in favor. I, I will support getting liberty into action any way I can. And Olivia, I'd love to hear kind of what's your thoughts? What got you into this political world? And kind of where are you right now in terms of this conservatarian, libertarian world you found yourself in? My politics has gone through quite an evolution through the last few years. Um, I just turned 20 like two weeks ago, and I've only been in politics for like three years. Um, But I started off kind of not knowing how to identify because um, being a minority, being a woman, being a black woman, like there's like a lot of people telling you different things on how to vote, what to believe in. Um, what to identify as. 
And usually those things kind of fall into like the left liberal Democrat camp. But I never really identified as a Democrat. I was like liberal-ish growing up, but that was just like kids in high school being liberal. I'm going to be a liberal, whatever. But then the 2016 election rolled around and I'm like, okay, well, I don't like Hillary Clinton. I don't feel like I'm a Democrat. Maybe I'm just like a black Republican and maybe that's just what I'm fated to be and everyone's going to make fun of me and whatever, whatever. Um, so I, I started off just identifying as, you know, just a black person that supported Trump because I didn't feel like he was racist. I started to identify with um, things like capitalism and the Second Amendment. That was just the type of home I grew up in. Like I grew up shooting guns and all that kind of stuff. So I was like, OK, I guess this is the option for me. And so I found that kind of like online political sphere of other young people who supported Trump or just weren't conservative or just weren't liberal, um, especially a lot of young black people I found. So I was like, okay, maybe I have kind of a community. Maybe I'm not the only one because in my school, I definitely was one of the only ones. Hmm. Um, And so I kind of evolved from just kind of the basic GOP talking points that anyone would see on YouTube or on Fox News or anything like that. Um, to kind of finding my own political, um, like ideology, which doesn't really fit into clear cut conservatism or libertarianism or really anything. But how I define it today is I am a right libertarian. And so some people call me conservative, some people call me libertarian. I don't really care. Um, but everything I do is through a lens of conscious black conservatism. And everyone asks me what that means. Um, I didn't make the term up. I got it from Felicia Killing. She has an online course, but she kind of popularized the conscious black conservative movement. Um, essentially, for me, that means looking at right leaning politics, looking at libertarianism, looking at conservatism through a pro black lens. And that can mean different things for different people. Um, but you may disagree, you may agree with this. But when I look at talking points and when I look at people on the right talking about racial issues in the black community, um, or how we reconcile racial issues or just issues that affect predominantly the black community. It's often with a condescending lens. It's often through a negative point of view of a place of ignorance and understanding, whether that be hateful or racist or not. A lot of people like I'm ignorant to issues that may affect the Asian community. I don't hate Asian people, but I'm ignorant because I'm not part of that community. Um, so it's like, it's kind of a thing where that goes on. And so I just like to look at politics through a more positive lens from somebody who is actually on the inside of that community, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it does make sense. And that's it's so refreshing, Olivia, to hear this perspective. OK, because I'm it's weird. You're Gen Z, technically younger than me by a, a, almost a decade. And and I'm an old millennial. Right. And I hear a lot mm. of the millennials and even Gen Xers and they're much more jaded. They're much more in this mindset of, you know, this this kind of, you know, things are the worst that they've ever been. But to the contrary, it almost sounds like you're kind of approaching things. And I'm hearing this in your generation a lot as well, is that there's kind of this renewed sense of optimism. Am I kind of reading that right? Yeah. And like since the election, since like Biden's been the president, and everything, everyone keeps asking me, like, what is the what is the future for the GOP? What is Gen Z going to do for libertarianism? What is Gen Z going to do? for conservatism and all this kind of stuff. And we have different views. I am very optimistic in certain ways. In certain ways, I'm very pessimistic. Um, maybe I'm an accelerationist for this, but I kind of think that the Republican Party 
needs to like die and like rise from the ashes kind of like a phoenix type thing like people are like people are are all or nothing they're like trumpism must be expelled we have to destroy the gop or we need to follow trump and go to the patriot party and leave the gop behind so there's like two different very group, different groups of people that don't like the gop anymore maybe i'm kind of in the middle i've tweeted this out before but i think that libertarians need to take over the gop i find the liberty liberty republicans libertarian republicans whatever you want to call them much more effective than the current neoconservatives that kind of rule the gop and honestly more effective than the majority of the people in the libertarian party as well because at least republicans get elected <laughs> so I think there needs to be kind of a breakdown. We don't need any more McConnells. We don't need any more Trumps. I'm sorry. I voted for Trump. I'm sorry. I know. But we don't need any more of them in the GOP. He was a disruptor, which we didn't need at the time. And now we kind of need people to build back up. Um, so, yeah, I am optimistic, but I think it'll take a long time. So when you – it's interesting because you you started off saying that you, you, you kind of were drifting back and forth in your political ideology and, and you found yourself – Supporting Trump. And it's interesting because I, I heard this across the, the past election cycle that there was a lot more of this this black support that came for Trump. And I was I mean, I, I live here in Philadelphia. Even I heard it anecdotally, you know, you'll be in an Uber and, and you'll you'll hear, you know, them talking a black you know, Uber driver talking about, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about supporting Trump. And I'm like, oh, really? And, and you don't hear that so often. So I'm curious. Olivia, what was it that led you to Trump? And what do you think also led to help, you know, I guess him get a lot more support than any other Republican candidate from, from black Americans? Um, when I think of Trump, like, here's the thing about Trump. Before he was president, black people really didn't have a problem with him. He was in all the rappers' songs. He was he was hanging out with P. Diddy. He was hanging out with, like, he was hanging out with everybody. He hanging out with 50 Cent. Nobody really had an issue with him until Democrats said he was racist. Um, and so... When I think about him, he's an asshole. I'm not going to say, oh, it's just like locker room talk, blah, blah, blah. He's an asshole. He's a billionaire from New York. No one's expecting him to be like a cuddly, fuzzy, nice guy. But people expect him to get shit done. And I think that was the appeal that that was how he appealed to me was like, okay, he's a businessman. He knows how to run a corporation. He knows how to manage mm -hmm. people. Um, you know, I think a lot of people look for like some type of like military background and presence for a similar reason, just because they know how to manage people. Um, they know how an organization works. Um, for me, like, yeah, the racial stuff really wasn't ever a concern of mine. I know it took a lot of people to come around to the fact. And, you know, if you do your research and stuff, it's like, what, it, where were the N word tapes that they supposedly had? Like, I never heard that. So I think black support from the Republican Party is abysmal and going from what did Mitt Romney have like 6% to 8% that Trump had. Right. It's not great. Um, so there's a lot more to be said about that. But yeah, the main thing is I think a lot of black people support capitalism. A lot of black people support the second amendment, um, but they don't support racism. And so when more stuff was coming out about Joe Biden, how he legitimately has a racist past, I saw, a lot of people maybe not switch over um but definitely consider voting for trump or supporting trump but but in quiet like not not everyone wants to wear the maga hat you know so let me ask you this because we see this across the board you'll hear this talking point on the right well come on black america why why do you consistently vote for democrats like what 90% in every single election how i guess can we then as supporters of liberty 
how can we resonate a message? And in this approach, I would say, to your point, your average black American, they support capitalism. They support the right to defend themselves and their family. So where are we missing the, the, the messaging in terms of actually resonating with them to say, oh, these people actually support the ideas that we live every single day? Mm-hmm. Um, don't call black people slaves on a plantation when you're trying to appeal to them. That's going to make people mad. Saying that people need to get off the democratic plantation is like, I'm not offended by it because I know I'm not a slave, but I'm like, that's not how you bring people to your side at all. And it's like, so the GOP is already doing bad with black outreach. And then they roll out the slogan in 2016 on a silver platter, like get off the democratic plantation. I'm like, dude, I was already on your side, but now I kind of want to go back to the plantation because y'all are rude. Um, So yeah, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to reconciliation because people are like, Republicans aren't racist. They're never racist. They're the party that freed slaves and Democrats are the party of the KKK. I'm like, how come I don't see any Democrats waving the Confederate flag? If it's a Democrat flag, then why are Republicans waving it? Like, I think we have to be honest about the Republican Party's past, about um, Southern strategy, about the lily white GOP and stuff like that, because it's not like there isn't any truth to claims of racism from the Republican Party. Um, that's not to say that the Democratic Party isn't also racist. I think both parties are full of crazy, you know, racist bigots. Um, but just just to deny Black people's concerns and saying, like, shh, 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 you are a slave, you are just brainwashed, like, that is very ineffective, in my opinion. Oh, so my background, right? I'm in sales. And one of the things I always teach my, my sales team is you can't start off a sales call with somebody telling them that, you know, they're a bad person for whatever solution they have in place. You know, my, my industry, we focus on telecom. So you think your phone systems, your internet stuff. And if you call in to an IT director, you say, listen, you're a bad person for putting this phone system in the first time. They're going to hang up on you. And the same thing is true with how we've been trying to communicate, I would say. And I say we, if we're talking in this case, the, the Republican Party, you know, trying to communicate what, you know, what the value is of the party. And also, to your point, what is that value of the party? And is that party really presenting things to to its voting base of value? So I guess, Olivia, right now, you, you mentioned, you know, right now, the Liberty Republicans, that seems to be the way to go. But you, to your point, the GOP seems like it's a dying party. So the Libertarian Party, what, is that an alternative? Is that a viable option for lovers of liberty to start filling up and, and maybe actually making some electoral success? Listen, I am the last person to defend the Republican Party. I'm a registered independent. I have worked for a local GOP before, and the only time I've ever voted, I voted for Republicans. So um, I do frequently criticize them, but I, I just... I have to say, I do think that they are the more effective vehicle um, to use. Um, I would love for the LP to be more successful, and I've considered joining them. I've considered, you know, multiple things like that. And I would like, I don't know, if I ever ran for office in the future, I've always talked about like I would love to run as a libertarian, and then people yell at me. They're like, "You're not going to get elected." So I'm like. Oh fine so i really have no beef with them i actually like them a lot better than a lot of people in the gop it's just there's they're so small and i feel like this is probably a common theme you hear a lot or at least it's a common complaint i hear is that a lot of people in the lp are very puritan and they're very absolutist about certain things i mean when you're at if if you've seen like a libertarian party convention when people are booing Gary Johnson for saying that he wants to have driver's licenses, that's how I know it's not serious. 
You know what I mean? Like you have to, be, you have to, you have to be serious. You can't be Puritan on some of these issues. People are not going to say no more driver's licenses. Like, come on. It's the Austin so, Peterson, uh, the, the part he's in the debate and uh, they say, so you're saying that we shouldn't be allowed to sell heroin to five-year-olds? And he's like, yes. And then it's the audience booing. as boo. this, the cat. Yeah. And that, that right there, to your point, that is the epitome of, I say, one of the problems we've had. I actually, I started my show in 2018, and one of the first episodes I did, I said, Libertarian Party, nobody's going to take it seriously until we take ourselves seriously. And mind you, that's two years removed from a convention where we we had some mishaps happening there in 2016. And I'm not going to go ahead and rehash those past incidents, but you can go ahead and find it on YouTube if you're really curious. Um, So, Olivia, to to your point, right, the LP, it just seems like there hasn't been really this approach from... I would say you're leading political figures to look at the LP as a viable alternative. So to your point, we have to make it more of a, a realistic party and, and really to one that people will take seriously. So how, how would you, let's say we gave you the keys, right, to the LP and, and you had the chance to not just help uh, rebrand it and get it on track, but also let's let's take it back to where we started our conversation. Let's turn the messaging specifically towards black America. How can we help bring more black Americans into the libertarian, not just the libertarian party, but the overall libertarian movement? The the conversations about guns and police are very, very, very appealing to black people. As far as I've seen, I'm sure you've heard of Maj Ture. I don't know if you ever had him on the show before. He's a friend of mine. His, his kind of method and marketing that, to black people because he's like a registered libertarian like he's all into like the lp stuff which i'm really not but i see the merit in it he is kind of a genius at marketing that i mean we i think to to get black people step away from a lot of the conversations that are just repetitive that the gop kind of just shoves down our throats all the time like oh like drugs fatherlessness crime all that kind of stuff because like the black people i know they're just not like that you know what i mean we want to hear actual solutions not you just talking down to us so when when maj says okay lift yourself up protect your community protect your home you know and goes against the gop talking points of like oh just stop resisting everything will be fine because we know that's not true black people know that's not true and if you're being honest honest white people know that's not true either it's like i I feel like people who say that are speaking from a either a very dishonest place or a place from just privilege and ignorance that you just never deal with the police before Mm -hmm. um but i think when libertarians start connecting the states to a lot of different black issues such as police brutality the war on drugs stuff like that that becomes very appealing because once you stop blaming like the KKK boogeyman, which people always kind of draw to the Republican Party or conservatism or right wing in general and start just connecting it to the state, then I think people will start to realize, you know, and you can do that with any group of people. The problem comes from the state. You know what I mean? It's not black. In my opinion, it's not black versus white. It's the state versus the people. It's I don't think white people are automatically racist. It's racist versus non-racist. I think we can all work together, but I feel like somebody has to present that message in a very delicate way to kind of um, embrace everybody. Because I'm not saying like libertarians should just be the party of just everyone who doesn't fit into Democrat and Republican just go to libertarians. Right. But I do think we need to be more open to accepting different viewpoints because of the very Puritan culture in the LP. 
Yeah, and you have to, like, this is something we've been talking about a lot here on my show, you, you have to understand that people are going to come to the movement with completely different ideas of, of, of politics because they probably are new to the ideas of liberty, right? So it's on, and we go back to uh, talking about, you know, the salesperson. It's on the salesperson to bring the person into the movement. And then it's on, you know, the, the activist. It's on that person that's, you know, the, the teacher to, to teach the person and kind of get them to feel comfortable with the ideas and apply it to, to your point, that the problems that they see in their communities. And I think that's one of the things that is exciting because libertarians, we have all the answers to the problems. You can ask us about anything. We'll tell you all day long and we'll write, you know, 10 threads on Twitter to tell you how right we are. But to your point, how do we actually get people to realize that we do have these solutions and to then take that step and say, okay, let's try it out, right? Let's actually give this solution that you're presenting a chance. So uh, Olivia, what's kind of um, your, your vision, right? You're going forward here. You're, you're obviously, you're, you're 20 years old. You're still in college and you're, you're starting out. You're, you're not just your political career, but you're also your professional career. So where do you kind of see yourself fitting into this larger political, uh, you know, movement you found yourself in as we move forward here in the next, especially uh, three years heading towards the 2024 election? People ask me what I want to do all the time. And I'm always just like, I'm in politics. I've been in multiple different facets of politics behind the scenes, in front of the camera, writing scripts, like all this kind of stuff. Like I worked on multiple campaigns in 2020 and I was like on different levels in those different campaigns and seeing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, And I write a lot, you know, and I'm just like, I don't really know. I know I have to propel the movement forward some kind of way. I know that I do want to run for office sometime in the future, but that would be like most likely the far, far future. Like I'm not really focused on that right now. People are always like, run for office right now. Like I, I don't want to I no. finish college. Enjoy life like, first. There's, yeah. There's stuff I want to do. Um, but I, I do think I have good ideas. I do think I have unique ideas and I think I'm doing it the right way, learning how it works behind the scenes before trying to throw my hat into the ring, you know, cause I, you know, I've done every type of grassroots work imaginable, honestly. And I'm just, I'm, you know, sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes it's like, Oh my God, I should never get into politics. If this is what it's like, you know what I mean? But I think, I think it'll be worth it because I'm very passionate about local politics here in Maryland um, and DC. I'm very, very, very passionate about DC politics and Baltimore politics. Um, and I just, I just know I have to do something. Um, I'm just waiting to kind of see where I fit in exactly. Cause I've just, I've tried out so many different things and it's just like, it's hard to pick a direct route because I've had people tell me to go to law school because I'm a poli-sci major or people tell me to switch my major to journalism or add a minor to journalism to my major because I do write a lot. Um, and I just don't know. I, I don't want to go to law school. I'm just putting that. I'm not going to law school. Stop asking me. I literally get this question every day. I'm not going to law school. I don't, I don't want to, but there are a different, a lot of different things I could do, but I just kind of rambled on. But to answer your question in short, I don't know exactly where I'm going to go. I do want to run for office. <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. You're, you're still, and I, I know I say you're still young. You're in college. Like, my goodness, when I was 20 years old, I was going to be a, a producer for, you know, musicians in the music industry. So things change and the approach that we take to things will change too. And, you know, it's exciting to hear that you're you're open to, you know, exploring a run for office because uh, candidly, Olivia, we need more young folks in the movement. And I say that not just, you know, that the folks that are in the, I'd say the more the, the get things done phase, like in this like kind of 20, like, 20s mid 30s kind of range but also like the young generation i say you guys like you the fresh voters out there because really 
it's tough. My sister, she's 20, you know, she, she's going to college and she tells me what she sees in her classrooms. And and it's quite frankly, horrifying in some cases. I'm like, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. I have the, like, not to rag on my school or anything, not to rag on the professors, not calling anyone by names, but I have had multiple different issues with multiple different professors, just straight BS talking about like, my constitutional law professor does not believe in the second amendment let me just put that out there let me repeat myself my constitutional law professor says that the second amendment is for muskets only so that's the kind of environment i'm trying to learn in with heavy bias from different sides and i'm just i don't think i'm having a unique experience i think this is all across the country you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah well and it also so it's funny my we're recording here today on the 15th and uh on wednesday i have a conversation airing um with Corey DeAngelis, uh and we're talking about school choice and this is actually one thing i've always had in the back of my mind is like we look at school choice as a great next step in terms of what what's the next step from away from a public education system for kids but you know you look at what we have in our college system right now and granted you know you obviously have all the the funding that coming from the, the federal government but that would still kind of exists in, in school choice. And to that point, we still see a lot of the educational problems that we see in the traditional schooling system. We talk about the, the, the you know, indoctrination, the brainwashing of kids, but we see that in the college education system right now. I mean, my goodness, I, I graduated from college back in the, the early 2010s, but like, even still, I got to see just in my own experience, how backwards some of the, the way professors would even approach things or even some students would approach things so you know here you are you're in 2021 so i'm sure it's it's 10 times worse and i guess it is in it's imperative that we have more folks like you who are in that that age range that can kind of speak truth to power or really speak truth to in this kind of like democratic world you find yourself in in college where it's like well the popular opinion is this and to be that one squeaky wheel saying, well, is it really the right opinion, though? Is it the moral opinion just because everybody agrees? You know, and, and I'm sure that can sometimes be a little difficult to be that one voice on campus. Absolutely. But now that we're on online school, um, I've not really pulled my punches. I'm like, we have like, for PolySide, we have like these discussion forums where we basically have to have like a kind of seminar. Like if we were really in person on campus, we'd have a mm. seminar. But now I'm like not shy at all. And I'll just be saying my opinions. And then all of my threads always have like loads of comments under them of people just arguing. And I don't really care. I think it's funny. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens when we go back on campus in the fall and everyone's just like, okay, so this is like that one random libertarian in all my classes that's like causing all this trouble. <laughs> Good for you, though. Honestly, it, we need more folks who are willing to to stand up and kind of say what you believe in. And and it starts with one person and then a couple others stand up. You know, I, I'm not sure, but I'm sure you've had experiences behind the scenes where you'll have somebody message you and say, thank you for saying that. I appreciate you saying that yeah. because I was going to say it and I just I didn't have the courage. And once you do it, then it gives them the, the, the no like, hey. They Olivia was able to speak up and, and you know, she didn't get excoriated. Like maybe I can speak up. And once it encourages more people, more and more people will start to speak up. So it is it's great, Olivia, that you know what you're doing, it, it's making a difference, right? And that's I guess where I wanted to as we wrap up the show, ask you, what what are you gonna look at? I guess fast forward when you look back and, and you say this has been an accomplishment that we've made, what, what what's the success? What is I guess the liberty movement looking like in your eyes as a truly you know a movement that's not just talking a great game but actually making people's lives better? Um, for one, I don't think it should be defined by any party success. So whether this happens in the LP or the GOP, um, it really makes no difference for me. To me, I would love to see the LP grow bigger. Um, but I think just 
I don't know like who your political aisles are, but like one of my biggest ones is, is Massey. And I just feel like if we had just, if we had more people like him, I don't care what party they come from. I don't care how old they are, what they look like, anything like that. I'm just like, if we just had more people like him, I think he is really making this Liberty Republican thing very popular. Um, obviously, Rand is an OG, but I think Thomas Massey has what it takes to popularize this among young people. Um, so I think I this isn't really anything specific, but just more people like him who are not afraid to kind of be the one person who is like, no, I'm not voting on that measure because this increases taxes or this increases the national debt. Like just to be that one person. But now we have more people like growing up to be like that. So he's a huge inspiration to me. And I think he's a huge inspiration to a lot of other people. And I did have a heart attack when he followed me on Twitter. <laughs> Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Massey is, is number one. He's a friend of the show. Um, and he is, yes, I think he has, he's got that spark. I've, I've shown, I'm not sure. Have you seen his documentary over on uh, Matt Kibbe's Free the People off the grid? No, I haven't yet. So throw that into your, your queue because I've shown that to probably 15 or so lefty friends who are, you know, their number one thing is climate change. And they watch this, you know, this is mind you like a couple years ago. So Thomas Massey wasn't as big of a name at the time. And they watch the documentary and then they're like, wait, who is this guy? And I say, oh, he's a, a rabid libertarian Republican congressman from Kentucky. And they go, what? I was like, yeah. And his degree again is from MIT. And he just happens to be, you know, a, a pretty much oh, a genius. Dude, I love that. He is like super smart. He lives on a ranch. He's like completely disconnected. Like he doesn't care about the government at all. Like that's my favorite part about him because people are like, People would just assume he's like some hick from Kentucky. I'm like, no, he dude has like an engineer brain. Like he's crazy smart. Yeah, and he challenged the CDC and won and got them to issue a correction. Like, be, I mean, yeah, and that's because he keeps the receipts, right? And and he he makes sure he is following everything. And that's why I mean, I always I always look at the the folks in the Greater Liberty Movement who toss stones at those who are successful in the the greater political realm because I I do yeah. think right they they get a little like oh, this is what it looks like to be successful. And all of a sudden, as this pond gets bigger, all of a sudden these, what were kind of medium-sized voices become relatively smaller. And you have more Masseys, right? And I think to your point, if we get more folks like a Massey and we get many Masseys out there, I, I think objectively, that's a, a great win. So I'm on board, Olivia. I think that's a great a, a great starting off point going forward. So how about this? As you wrap up here, I want folks to be able to obviously support all that you're doing and follow uh, where you're going to be heading as your career uh, begins to develop. So Olivia, where can folks go ahead and follow you on social media to stay up to date? Okay, I have a Twitter and a YouTube. Um, I know my name is hard to spell. It is R-O-N-D-E-A-U. So just or search Olivia Rondo on Twitter or YouTube. Subscribe to my channel. Follow my Twitter. Um, I'm kind of annoying sometimes on Twitter, so maybe just subscribe to my YouTube. It's a lot. It's a lot more streamlined. About this, we'll include the links to both, so it makes it easier for folks. They can pick either or. How about that? So thank you, <laughs> absolutely, Olivia Rondo. Thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. We'll include all those links in the show notes, so folks can go ahead and follow you and make it a lot easier to stay up to date. But with that being said, Olivia, thank you so much for joining the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. 
Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30 or you living that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order. Plus, get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So, head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Olivia Rondo. If you enjoyed the conversation, well, you know the drill. Go ahead and share today's episode, and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and share with at least five family and friends. Go ahead and tag me at Liberty if you want to get a, a retweet, and that would be over on Twitter, obviously, but don't feel that you can only find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter. Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. Yes, uh, Parlor.com is back in action. And uh, for Olivia, I'll make sure I include all the links to her social media as well in the show notes, as well as where you can go ahead and, and find uh, all the work she's doing uh, and all the videos and stuff that she's been doing as well over on YouTube. Um, so with that being said, folks, we had a great conversation back on Monday. Did you miss it? If you did, make sure you head back. There's a conversation about uh, what's happening right now in the world, looking at climate change. And, and more specifically, how can we fuel America with alternative forms of energy. Well, Jack Kerfoot is an insider into the world of the energy sector and joined the show to discuss how we can actually, yes, indeed, fuel America. And then coming up here on Friday, we are joined with another fantastic conversation. And this week, we are wrapping things up with Kanan Vitolo. Now, Kanan is most known for his meme work. That's right. Uh, memes It is an art form, I would say, folks, of being able to take ideas and be able to present them in an easy to digest uh, manner, which really will help pique interest, which at the very end of the day is kind of what we're trying to do uh, initially with sales when you're trying to get uh, people to ask more questions. So with that, I had Kane on the show to discuss just that. How has he been able to, to uh, been able really to articulate these ideas so effectively and to get to the point where one of his memes, for crying out loud, appeared on CNN right next to Chris Cuomo. So it shows uh, that it is having an impact. So uh, a great conversation coming up up here on Friday uh, with Kenan Vitolo. So to make sure you do not miss a single episode, head over to iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review. Yes, folks, you know the drill. We don't charge you a single thing here at The Brian Nichols Show for three phenomenal episodes per week. But all I ask is five minutes of your time to go ahead and give us a quick rating interview why have you been a longtime listener of the brian nichols show or why have you recently joined the brian nichols show audience well go ahead and get your review in for friday because i'll go ahead and make sure i read your review on air so with that being said folks thank you for joining us here on another fun-filled episode of the brian nichols show with that being said it's brian nichols signing off here on the brian nichols show for olivia rondo we'll see you friday thanks for listening to the brian nichols show find more episodes at brian Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.